Hi, Gaggle listeners. This special bonus episode was produced at 7 p.m. Arizona time on August 4th. Things might have changed by the time you hear this. They said, well, if you want to vote Republican, we're out of ballots. The ball was dropped at the uh, polls. It was, it was a mess. I know people that did not get to vote um, because they were turned away, but they had other things to do and they couldn't come back. You guys approved this new director of, of uh, elections, David Frisk. I'm sorry, but I had to mention his name. He needs to be held accountable. And by help being held accountable, I mean he needs to be terminated. Election day is over, but the long process of counting all the ballots continues. But it hasn't been smooth sailing. From Penn smudging ballots in Maricopa County to Pinal County running out of ballots, the August primaries gave those suspicious of elections more to complain about. In this special bonus episode of The Gaggle, we're taking a closer look at what problems have handicapped the election process and what the response has been. We'll also take a look at the latest on the gubernatorial race. I'm Ron Hansen, national politics reporter for the Arizona Republic. I'm joined first by Robert Anglin and Sasha Hopka, both Republic reporters who have been watching how the primary election unfolded. Robert, Sasha, welcome to The Gaggle. Happy to be here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here, and thanks for having me on. Okay, let's take these one at a time, starting with Pinal County. Officials there ran out of ballots. What happened? First of all, Pinal County has become the poster child for how not to run an election. And they essentially admit that. They ran out of paper ballots. And as a consequence, people at the polls were either forced to wait or they were turned away and told to come back later. The problem is, is nobody can say how many people were turned away or if they actually came back. There may have been as many as 750 people affected. In addition to the ballot problems, one poll didn't open for four hours. That poll was in Maricopa, the city, not the county. Robert, you sort of alluded to this earlier. What happened with those who wanted ballots and couldn't get one? It's a cascade of events. They first got to the poll and were told, we're not going to be able to get your ballot. They said, but we'll have them later. It turned out, though, that the county couldn't print ballots quickly because of antiquated equipment. They only had two printers, which could print one ballot every three minutes. So people had to come back or wait. And in some cases, they waited and got the ballot. The county delivered paper to these polling places. But the county really can't say how many people ultimately were affected. Sasha, there are certain kinds of voters, I'm guessing, who are especially affected by this kind of a problem. So if you're a voter who comes in the morning and you've got kids to get to school and you've got a job, you can't necessarily stay and wait for three hours for them to resupply the polls. Now, officials said that as long as people were in line by 7 p.m. on Election Day, they could still vote and that they resupplied the ballots. But, you know, if you're that same voter who has kids and has a job, you might not be able to leave your job get the kids from daycare, and all head to the polls before 7 p.m. So this really could disenfranchise some voters. Robert said that Pinal County really isn't the poster child for proper administration at the moment. This isn't their first problem during this primary season. Tell us more, Sasha, about what happened in Pinal earlier. 
So last month, they sent out about 63,000 erroneous ballots to voters ahead of early voting. And what happened was that they mixed up their municipal races on some of the ballots. So some people who live on unincorporated county land, who do not live in a city or town, got city or town contests on their early ballot that should not have been there. And some people who live in cities and towns got no city or town contest on their ballot that should have been there because they need to vote for their mayor and their city council and all of that. So they already kind of screwed up once. And now this is the second major, major issue. And the import of that, the the municipal races, is such that some of those city races are within 10 votes of each other right now. So you can imagine that 10 people turned away from the polls who may or may not have voted for a city council member in some cases. That candidate may have lost the election because his supporters couldn't vote. And the county, again, can't say if that happened. It kind of blew my mind that we're printing ballots on election day, okay? That's inexcusable and unacceptable to all the people in Pinal County. I'm sure of that. What the heck kind of planning is this that they they don't know what they're doing? We ran out completely at 1 o'clock. So I have Republican voters stacked up waiting for those ballots to come. We'd already issued them their tickets. Everybody was in a was very cordial, but they're also watching Democratic ballots come, uh, voters come through and pick their ballots up and go vote. I want to make it clear, it's not just a simple situation where there were not enough ballots printed. In the city of Maricopa, there's also this issue that the correct ballots were not given to our voters. Where does all this stand at this point? Is there any threat of litigation? Is this something that is going to be playing out beyond just when we have all the ballot totals tallied? On Wednesday, the county held a news conference, and it was a fait accompli. They admitted that they're going to have to restructure their election department. They're saying they promised to have these issues fixed by November. And there was actually a lawsuit already on primary night. Advocates for voters sued to keep polls open longer, but a judge rejected that claim, saying that it would allow people an opportunity who didn't vote anyway to to go ahead and go vote. So the judge was on the side of this could cause more problems than it solves by leaving the poll open. So that emergency writ was denied. It's also worth noting that they had the county attorney's office handle the press conference yesterday, which was interesting because, in theory, the county attorney, as long as there's no lawsuits currently, really wouldn't have a lot to do with this. <laughs> and, yeah, and to piggyback on that, the elections director was not in attendance at this press conference where they announced restructuring. And that elections director, David Frisk, was only hired in March, and he was officially appointed the job in May. And we actually just got news that Pinal County is firing him. At this news conference on Wednesday, a lot of residents and candidates were (laughs) rightly angry and spoke up, and they demanded accountability. And I guess we're seeing that now. Pinal wasn't the only county with issues. There was one district in Pima County that also ran out of ballots, and there were several other issues as well. In Maricopa County, pens, once again, were a source of controversy Some people started taking special pens provided for voting by the county. 
Sasha, why did they take the pens? The first thing you have to understand about this entire pen situation is that this all stems back to the Sharpie Gate conspiracies that spread in 2020. And we know there wasn't actually anything wrong with the Sharpies, but that spread. And so elections officials this time around went with these new Pentel pens that they had been using for decades before the Sharpies in 2020 with apparently no issues. So prior to election day, officials had made a big deal of these Pentel pens being the pen they wanted people to use at the polls because they dry fast. And that's important because the ballots have to go into the tabulator really quickly after people fill them out on election day. So even though it's okay to use a ballpoint pen on your early ballot, which you mail in and, you know, has several days to dry before they process it, the ballpoint pen ink, they said, didn't dry quickly enough for it to go straight into the tabulators. They wanted people to use these county-provided pens. But because of Sharpie Gate, some people didn't trust the county-provided pens, and so they started taking them. How widespread was that? From what we know, there were at least a few locations where that happened. Nobody ran out of pens that we're aware of, but it certainly was something that was occurring. And we did have some people also bringing in ballpoint pens to the polls to vote and insisting on using those pens. On the morning of the election, a conspiracy theorist who was also running for Maricopa County Board of Supervisors actually tweeted out, replace these county pens with your own. And that came ahead of the thefts. Now, there's no rhyme or reason for why you'd want to replace the pens. In fact, that candidate, Gail Golick, told me she asserts that the ink in the special pens can be used to alter ballots later on. So I asked her why. Why would anybody want to alter the ballots? And she couldn't explain why. She actually said, I don't have a reason why, but it can happen. And they, they are going to do this. Later that day, she got hit with a cease and desist note from the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. And they told her that she needed to issue a retraction and stop telling people to replace the county pens. Okay, so as if that's not enough drama in Maricopa County, as it turns out, the county later acknowledged that the pens that they were using, well, they did present a voting problem. What was that about, Sasha? So county officials have said that there were very limited problems with these county pens where it's possible they didn't dry fast enough before going through the tabulators. And so we were receiving reports from poll workers on election day that the county provided ink was also smearing on the ballots. It's hard to determine right now exactly how much of the issues were caused by the ballpoint pens with the smearage and how much of the issue was caused by the county pens with the smearage because the county says they won't have more details on any of these problems until they clean their tabulators. And that could take them up to at least a week. Now, the county didn't do themselves any favors either. When we approached them about this, knowing full well that conspiracy theorists were going to take it and run with it, they didn't want to talk about it. For two days, they really, really tried to push back against the whole notion, even as more and more people came forward about these pins. So now the position is they can't provide detail about the pins, but they're confirming that the pins did, in fact, smudge or smear on ballots, the county issue pins, mind you. 
Okay, so let's go back to the most important question here again. Is there any reason to think that these smearing problems had any impact on any of the races in Maricopa County? No. No. That we know of, that poll workers have told us, there were no voters who were unable to cast a ballot. One poll worker described having to wave the ballot to dry it, put it through different um, you know, turn the ballot to get the machine to read it. But as far as we know, nobody was disenfranchised. Let's circle back to Pima County for a moment. What happened with the shortage of ballots there? And was there also an envelope problem? There were, but it was nothing to the extent of Pinal County's problems. In fact, Pima County actually delivered paper to Pinal County to try and help them out of their mess. This was limited to one precinct, and they blame it on a worldwide paper shortage so that they were trying to be extra judicious about how many ballots they sent out. And many people showed up at the poll that they didn't anticipate. Last minute, people who wanted to, they, were, they would be um, early voters, but didn't want to put the vote in the mail. So they came to the polls themselves. And that there was a surge. But Pima County did get those ballots delivered. It, there was a delay of, of a, an hour or two at most. The envelope situation was just one of those screw-ups. They had provisional ballots sent to the locations in case people did show up to vote, but they forgot to bring the envelopes to the polling stations, so they had to go out and deliver them as the polls opened. Are you aware of any races that were impacted by the problems in Pima County? None. So all these problems may be of minimal harm. They're certainly not a good look, and it certainly will raise concerns heading into November as well. But how much is this going to just add fuel to the concerns about conspiracies to engineer outcomes or that elections are just not properly administered, that they have defective equipment or other kinds of problems like that? It's like gasoline on that argument. And conspiracy theorists are going to pour it on the fire. Have we seen any of that already? Yes, we have. The pins are example one of that. I think that's why officials in Maricopa County, at least, are so hesitant about talking about it, is because they're scared it's going to add fuel to this fire. But the reality is these issues are really common, and no election is run perfectly. And I think that the more that officials are transparent about these sort of issues and the more that they add context around them, ultimately, the better off the general ecosystem is. An example of the smoke from the fire happened in Pima County. It was probably their biggest issue, but it, it played out on conservative social media circles. At one poll in Pima County, a conservative radio show host overheard a poll worker tell somebody who was voting that Matt Salmon had dropped out of the gubernatorial race. The radio show host took that and ran with it and actually said the poll worker was electioneering in an effort to steer votes to Carrie Lake, the Trump-endorsed candidate for governor. We saw those same conservative social media circles allege that this issue with the pens in Maricopa County was going to destroy the election, which obviously is not at all the case. And I think, unfortunately, that's part of why so many county officials are really hesitant to talk about these issues, is because they are scared that it is going to turn into some sort of huge conspiracy theory. The problem is that if you don't talk about those issues, you also don't 
get any context around them. And that makes it easier for these circles to kind of take them and run. That becomes part of the plot. Robert and Sasha, thank you so much for coming on The Gaggle. If our listeners want to follow your work, where can they find you on Twitter? I'm at Sasha Hupka. That's Sasha and then H-U-P-K-A. I'm at Robert Anglin. That's Robert A-N-G-L-E-N. And listeners, you can also catch up on their reporting by visiting azcentral.com. Hey, producer Kaylee Monahan here. We're just taking a short break. If you're enjoying this episode of The Gaggle, consider supporting us by subscribing to this podcast. Also, you can subscribe to the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, which allows us to bring you more conversations like this one. As always, thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. Now let's turn to the most watched race in our state, the race for governor. And for that, we welcome back Stacey Barchinger. Hey, Stacey. Hey, Ron. Give us an update on the governor's race as we record this on Thursday afternoon. Do we have a sense how others, whether it's Karen Taylor Robeson or other Republicans who were not on board with Lake's candidacy, intend to handle the matter of endorsing her campaign in the general election or keeping their distance? I've been poking around on this question a little bit. I should note Karen Taylor Robeson has not said anything publicly since election night. I know her team is watching the results every night as they come in to gauge how to respond. Meanwhile, as Carrie Lake picks up more voters, I have been asking this question of the more establishment members of the Republican Party, where do they land if we have a Carrie Lake and a Katie Hobbs general election? I reached out to Governor Ducey's office. They're not commenting yet. Of course, he's in sort of an interesting position because he came out very strongly in favor of Karen Taylor Robeson and was very critical of Carrie Lake. But his side hustle running the Republican Governors Association is to elect Republicans. Very curious to see what he does as we head towards the general election. It seems slightly conspicuous that he hasn't just said flatly he will be on board with whoever the Republican Party nominates, isn't it? Yes, but... I think this race is very close, and I suspect he wouldn't want to say something like that before we get to election day. He also hasn't been available this week to talk to him and ask him that question. I think it's just a question that needs to be asked, and we'll see what he says. I will say I've been making calls today trying to figure out where some of Karen Taylor Robeson's supporters, the more establishment conservatives in the state, might land if it is Carrie Lake that gets the nomination. And as one person put it to me this morning, they view the parties almost like religious beliefs. You have a hard time switching allegiances. So it sounds like those people at least might land with Carrie Lake. This same source pointed out that a lot of people had trouble with some of former President Trump's rhetoric, but they were able to support him because they liked his policies. And so this person suggested that's what we might see if Carrie Lake wins the nomination. But of course, that's all to be determined. We still don't even have a final result here. Right. Hashtag too soon. 
Okay, so I discussed the voting problems that we've seen play out in Maricopa, Pima, and Pinal counties with Robert and Sasha. All these issues happened after former President Donald Trump baselessly claimed widespread fraud cost him the 2020 election, and after the partisan-led ballot review of Maricopa County's ballots last year on the orders of Republicans in the state Senate. So when GOP gubernatorial nominee Carrie Lake was trailing Karen Taylor Robeson early on, she intimated that something was amiss, and she's continued to suggest without evidence there was fraud in this primary. So I guess the question is, should we expect the issue of election integrity to continue to be weaponized as we pivot to the fall for the gubernatorial race? Yes, absolutely. Carrie Lake held a press conference Wednesday at about noon in which she was asked a series of questions about her concerns about the election. She said explicitly that she would continue talking about 2020. This has been a focus of her campaign so far. She cannot leave it behind. And she said that she will not do that. We also heard a little bit of a different take from her at that same press conference To rewind, maybe 10 days ago, she said in an event in Anthem that she had been detecting stealing going on in this race. Working with a red legislature that finally brings honest elections to Arizona. No more cheating. We will not stand for another stolen election. That's right. No, we won't stand for it. There's going to be hell to pay if they try it. And we're working right now. We're already detecting some fraud. I know none of you are shocked. That nobody's like, oh. no, we're already detecting fraud. And we're, believe me, we've got cyber folks working with us. We got lots of attorneys. And we are already detecting fraud. And I'm hoping that we have this. At her press share. conference, she said that her movement, the mega movement, had outvoted the fraud. And When reporters pressed her on that, if she still believed there was fraud, she said in passing there was, she would turn it over to election officials, but then pointed to these issues that y'all have talked about previously on this episode about ballot shortages as this problem that has ruptured confidence in the system. And while those are definitely problems, they are not fraud. And in her race, certainly not outcome changing. Anytime we talk about this, I want to just note that we have asked her multiple times for what evidence of fraud she has, and she has refused to turn it over to us, saying that she will give that to the proper authorities. As we discussed on Tuesday night, the Secretary of State race between Republican Mark Fincham and either Adrian Fontes or Reginald Bolding for the Democrats is already shaping up as a referendum of sorts on what happened in 2020. With these latest issues that we've seen in the primary, it seems to just add fuel to the fire for somebody like Fincham, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think just like we're going to see the gubernatorial nominees continue to talk about this, you will certainly see it in the Secretary of State's race. Um, You also have the interesting potential of Adrian Fontes winning the Democratic nomination, and he, of course, carried out the 2020 election in Maricopa County, running against Republican Mark Fincham, who has been one of the loudest voices criticizing the outcome of the 2020 election and claiming that Donald Trump won, again, without evidence. Fincham 
declared on Tuesday after the results were coming in that it was a victory for election integrity, pointing to the Trump-endorsed candidates down the slate that had won. And as we're already seeing, you know, these glitches that have happened in the process are certain to keep alive speculation that there are election problems that these candidates say they need to solve. Okay, well, thank you for that. I declare this episode of The Gaggle concluded. Stacey, it's always a pleasure to have you on. If people want to follow your work, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at sbarchinger. That's S-B-A-R-C-H-E-N-G-E-R. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Do you have questions about Arizona's political landscape? Contact us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word all spelled out. Or leave us a message at 602-444-0804. And don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. You can follow her at Kaylee Monahan. K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.